Hello, dealmakers. Welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. And if you're investing in the stock market, you're looking for financial freedom by passively investing in multifamily syndications, we would love to talk to you. Go to nighthawkequity.com. That's our investment company, nighthawkequity.com. Click the join button and you can schedule a call with us that we can share with you some upcoming opportunities that, uh, that you might be interested in moving forward. If you're just completely new to this, you're like, oh my gosh, syndications, what is that? You know, word with many syllables. We have a report for you at the michaelblank.com forward slash report that compares investing in the stock market with investing in real estate, in particular multifamily. Some of the pros and cons of each, that's at the michaelblank.com forward slash report. I want to give a shout out to Sarah Fries, uh, who left us a review on iTunes. Sarah, thank you so much. She writes, if you're looking to learn more about real estate investing, I highly recommend the show. Michael Garrett and the guests give great advice. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And with that, now that Garrett's mentioned, let's get him on the show. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? I, guys, I lost my voice a little bit, but I'm I'm going to bring what I can. So Do it. bring it, you. bring it. I'm, you know, I'm bring don't, it. <laughs> don't give me excuses, Garrett. Give me results. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's talk about. I want to talk about uh, partnering. When I was uh, growing up in a single family house space, there was no I. There's no even no concept of partnering. Yeah, you had team members, but you're not partnering. No point. On the other hand, multifamily, it's almost unusual for people not to partner. But why should you consider partnering? In multifamily, well, partnering is is also it's something that's a bit of a necessary evil for a lot of people because you may not have the means on your own to take down a large multifamily deal. Now, getting to a large multifamily is great because you just have better economies of scale and you have the ability to make those deals more profitable in most cases, and so. In order to take down a big multi multi million dollar complex, you often need partners to be able to qualify for the loans, to be able to take on some of the roles that it entails to be successful. And so, and it looks differently in every phase of the partnership and where you are in your career. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, what I love about it is that when you partner with someone on a deal, it's not like a, you know, a partnership until the day you die. It's a partnership for that deal, which is probably going to be sold in, say, five or six years. And it always changes. The reason we partner is we're trying to do something that we can't do on our own. And that thing changes, right? In the beginning, you might uh, you might partner with someone who can raise capital and you will find a deal. That's a great partnership, right? Uh, or several years ago, through our deal desk, for example, we were getting a lot of deals coming through. So we partnered with the students who found those deals. That put us on the map, right? We no longer do that because we recognize that we want to go deep into geography and not go into 15 different cities. So you know, it doesn't serve us anymore. I also partnered with a very senior operator at the time who gave me capital raising capacity because I had more deals coming in than I could raise capital for. I no longer do that either, right? So it's one of those things where you're partnering uh, for the season, right? And it doesn't have to be permanent. Yeah. And you can evolve in ways. So those people, they may take on different roles, like new roles, or they evolve with the partnership as well. So it's not like you just jump around from one partner to another, although that can and does happen. If you do find alignment with certain individuals, kind of like how we have, we're always pushing each other to evolve. And then we stay partners longer. But there, you know, my last partnership, it blew up and went, went the other way and we weren't serving each other anymore in the way that we needed to. And so there was a big pivot that was made. And also in that situation, I tried 
to not have partners after that. And I found it almost impossible. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really interesting how it all evolves. It's almost like a necessary evil, which is not the right way to look at it, right? I think it's a little bit of a limiting belief that, oh, partnerships are a pain in the butt. I think they can be, but good partnerships are almost a blessing. It's like one plus one is far greater than two, and therefore partnerships are enjoyable. Are they always enjoyable? No, probably not. But if you play your cards right, uh, they can be, and and they can be very powerful as well. And in fact, that's kind of one of the things we talked about with our guest today, Camilla Jeffs. Uh, she was investing for 15 long, tedious years in single family houses for a variety of different reasons, which we'll get into the show. Why did it take her so long to see the light? Well, we're going to find out. And some of those limiting beliefs or things that she believed are, are very common. I hear them all the time. So you're going to have to take some notes on this one. But one of the secrets that she discovered is, in fact, partnering, which very quickly now uh, allowed her to quit her job. So uh, at this point, she's a GP in over 250 units. She just quit her job. Let's get an interview with Camilla Jeffs. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Camilla, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Michael. So excited to be here. So I feel like I'm, uh, this is like the live, you know, live news coming from the Michael Blanc radio, but you just quit your job on Friday, which was like a few days ago. And I just want to know, how was that? It was quite the ride. You know, it was a little bit surreal. It was exciting. It was super exciting. It was something that I've been working toward for a long time. And it was a goal of mine to achieve. And when I finally like, put in my notice and it became real, real, then, you know, things were just, you know, that last two weeks of your job of transitioning and, you know, wrapping everything up is a pretty big whirlwind and telling all the people and, and having all the conversations about, wait, what you're leaving? Wait, what you're doing entrepreneurship? Like <laughs> it was, it was pretty crazy. So today is my day two of freedom from my W2 and, and I'm in still in that, super excited slash terrified stage, right? That transition into full-time entrepreneurship. Um, and we can get into all that too. Yeah. So what was the reaction? It sounds like the reaction was all over the place. Had you been preparing people for this? Were they like, what are you talking about? Were they interested? Were they like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Like, what was the, the reaction that people had when you told them this? You know, I kept it kind of on the down low, <laughs> what I did on the side, uh, because you always worry about, you know, your boss, questioning you and saying, well, are you really, you know, in, into your job? So I, I kept a little bit on the down low, but some people knew that I, that I invested in real estate and was, you know, putting together group investments for multifamily, but others didn't know. And so it was actually really fun. I, I was shocked by the reaction. I thought that the reaction would be, oh, okay, that's nice, whatever. But actually the reaction was very much like, wait, tell me more. Wait a minute. What is this that you're doing? How can I join? What, how does it all work? And, and so people were really interested. And I think a lot of them are interested because, you know, I worked in tech and you know, I supported tech teams and, and I think tech culture are very entrepreneurial in nature. They think, they think that way a little bit more than traditional corporate culture does. So I think they were more receptive to it. And, and I got a really nice note from my VP who I supported saying, Hey, you know, man, I applaud anyone who has the courage to just 
go for their dreams like that. And I, you know, I, I wish you all the best success. I love that. So what is your day like now? It's like, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock in the afternoon, EST. How's it like? What's it like? You know, so it's odd. It feels very weird because, you know, I'm used to having just meeting after meeting, bouncing from meeting to meeting to meeting. And now I don't have that. So suddenly my schedule is cleared. And so I, I knew that this would happen. I knew it would be kind of a bumpy transition that I'd have to like find my flow and figure out what I'm doing. But you know, what's so nice is that I get to dictate it. And so I put together my own schedule of exactly what I'm going to do, exactly what I'm going to work on at nine o'clock. And then at 10 o'clock, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I can take my dog for a walk whenever I want to. And I, you know, I can exercise twice a day instead of just once a week. right? And so, you know, I just have these blocks in my day and it's nice, but it does feel quiet. Right. So it is still kind of, it's different right now. And, uh, and I'm, and as I transition, you know, I'll, I think it'll be really nice. I'm ex- I like it. So you said you're excited and you're kind of biting your nails at the same time. What are you excited about? And then kind of, what are you, what are you anxious about? So I, I'm just excited that I get to do full-time something that I just love. So I absolutely love real estate. I love investing. I love all all the things that it can provide for a family. I love the impact that it makes and that I have the opportunity to create some pretty big impact in my business. So that's what I'm excited about. I get to spend my time on what I love. And then also that I get to have complete flexibility and freedom in my schedule. And I can take days off when I want to, and I don't have to ask anybody (laughs) to be able to take those days off. And I'm not restricted to a certain amount of days off. So that's pretty awesome. And he said, what am I anxious about? Well, you know, you're always anxious as as an entrepreneur about, you know, the next thing, like building your business. And, you know, I have, you know, how am I going to scale? How am I going to grow? How am I going to continue this momentum that I've already created on the side? And I need to make sure that I stay focused, you know, that I don't get distracted and go watch Netflix. <laughs> so, so there's this, uh, there's just a lot of unknown, but I think that's what makes it also exciting. If that even makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll probably find that you're, you probably won't spend that much on Netflix, but you'll probably find that you're going to be tempted with working harder than ever before. Because of course, you know, we can always work harder, Camilla, right? Always work harder. And if you don't work, well, you don't produce anything. And we're, you know, so I don't know. It, it could be one of those things that you struggle with that. And maybe not. Maybe you do struggle with Netflix. I don't know. The point is, you know, <laughs> you now have some options, which is really, really amazing. And it, but it didn't used to be that way. In fact, you've been investing quite a while and it wasn't until recently until you really ramped up. So maybe tell us a little bit more about how you got started in real estate and maybe why did you get started in real estate and kind of what did you do early on? So early on, uh, I started out house hacking. So uh, my husband and I, we we purchased a property that had a basement apartment, literally because we had no money and we couldn't afford to live in our own place, right? <laughs> and and we heard about this creative idea that to purchase a place that had that had basement apartment you could rent out, and and it was fantastic and it worked really well for us. We only paid like a hundred dollars a month to live there, and the property had a pool. I mean, how awesome is that? So after we did that first property out of necessity, really, then I started thinking, you know, there's something to this real estate game and I've got to figure it out. So started reading all the books, educating, self-educating, figuring out what to do. And we then went on for the next 
15 years, we acquired many single family homes, small multis, launched our own property management company, and we're really just working in the business. But it was DIY. It was literally everything was DIY. We were mowing the lawns. We were fixing the toilets. We were, you know, screening the tenants and taking the calls at 2 a.m. And, you know, it was a lot of work. And we, you know, I hit a point where I was just tired. Like, I'm so tired of all this work and effort, and there's got to be a better way. And and so that's when I started looking into large multifamily. Well, hold on before you get there, because maybe you're a bit of a slow learner. I don't know, 15 years of this, like, holy (laughs) moly. A lot of people are like, I'm not doing more than two years of this stuff. Like, okay, so what's the, what's the extent? of your portfolio like how many houses or how many houses did you have you know how many hours was it taking up your time like give me a little sense of the scale yeah so i i mean the portfolio wasn't that big because remember it was just a side thing right so it was about 15 units at the at the max is when at our height at the peak i guess when we had it at the peak of the insanity was 15 units (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. And then as far as time, well, it sucked a lot of time. I mean, I was spending, you know, four or five hours a day on these properties because it was a because a day we were doing everything myself. I, I was yeah. thinking like a week, <laughs> a, a day. Wow, that's holy moly. That's like uh yeah, that's like twenty hours a week right there on fifteen units. Mm-hmm. Now uh, let me ask you the, the, uh, the obvious question. Why did it take you so long to kind of go, there's gotta be something else? Like, why didn't you Look for another solution earlier on. Did you maybe just not know there was it was like this is it? If I want real estate, this is it? Or or why did you not make a shift earlier? So I think the reason I did not shift earlier is because, well, one, limiting beliefs, right? Like we thought we had to do it all ourselves and that we had to just use our own money. Like using someone else's money was scary. That was doing creative financing. Nope, not going to do that. You know, let's just do everything the traditional way. And that's how I learned and how I grew. And so the limiting belief of about partnering with others. The other problem that I had was that I'm a pretty introverted person. And and so I did not attend like real estate meetups. I didn't network with other real estate people. So I didn't know that, you know, what the late night real estate gurus were saying was actually true. <laughs> so you'd hear the you'd hear them talk about some creative way to to buy properties and and it was like, uh, I, is that true or is that just a bunch of baloney? I don't know. But I wasn't networking and I wasn't getting out. And I and I literally, I didn't know any other investors who were like me who were purchasing properties. And none of my friends were doing it. None of them ever wanted to talk about it. Like if I brought it up, they'd be like, uh, let's let's talk about our nails. And I'm like, I don't talk about nails. <laughs> I can talk about hammer and nails. Like that's the kind of nails that I do. But yeah, so I think, yes, definitely slow learner. <laughs> And that, and that, that I just didn't know a better way, and I didn't know how to how to do anything different. It was just all on my own shoulders. So, Camilla, how did you overcome those limiting beliefs that kept you from really scaling and and becoming financially free? So, the first thing was just desire, right? Like I or had pain. I had Shall this- we say pain? <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, I had this strong desire. And and the funny thing is I didn't realize how much pain I was in until I learned a better way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this the hard way this whole time. 
that was a sad day. <laughs> but desire, like, so I have this, I have this deep innate desire to succeed, to do well, to uh, you know, build and scale and and go for more, and felt like I was made for more. And so I'd always had buy an apartment complex on my vision board, and. I finally hit the point where I'm like, you know what? It's time. It's time to buy that apartment complex. And so I start looking at how do you even buy an apartment complex? Well, A, they cost millions of dollars. I've never purchased a property over a million dollars in my whole investing career. Everything was under a million. And I took a peek at my bank account. I'm like, yeah, sure enough, not a million dollars in there. (laughs) How am I going to buy one of these big properties. And so I I start looking at around and I and as I was educated and listening to some uh, some podcasts and reading books, I realized it was the partnering factor. Like you've got to partner with others. You got to put together a group of people to buy this apartment complex. You can't you just don't do it on your own unless you already have millions of dollars in your bank account. And I guess you could, right? But you probably probably better to partner anyway. And so then I'm thinking, okay, partnering. Well, I don't know if I trust other people because <laughs> uh, I remember those times in, you know, in elementary and high school where they put you in groups and, and do the group science project. And, and yeah, guess who did all the work? This girl right here and everybody else could freeload and they sure could because I let them, you know, because I was intent on making sure I did it well and got the grade and did that. So thinking, okay, well, if I can't trust people to do like a research paper, group research paper, or how am I going to trust them to run a multi-million dollar acquisition with me? So that was a limiting belief of mine as well. But I knew that I just had this really deep desire to accomplish the goal. So I said, well, you got to get over it. You got to start meeting people. And that's when I started going to meetups and started talking to other people and really learning, listening and learning and, and understanding who's who in the multifamily space. Because once you get into it, you realize it's pretty small, you know, pretty small community. We, you know, a lot of us know each other and you know of each other. And as you as you learn and grow and then partnerships just kind of start materializing and and you 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 jump into one and and then you keep going is that how you partnered your way into a larger deal yeah exactly so that's how i got my first deal was i partnered so so when i was learning about multifamily i knew that you know i kind of put the roles the, the multifamily roles of a general partnership into four categories you have the acquisition specialist you have an underwriter you have the capital raiser you have the asset manager and as i kind of tried out each of those roles and thought about my background and what i what i what am i good at i settled on capital raising i, I wanted to be a really good capital raiser and so that was the value that i was going to bring to a team and then it was just a matter of networking and finding a strong lead sponsor who has the experience and then to partner with in order to be able to jump onto their boat and help them help row the boat a little bit by bringing in capital and doing asset management. Now, why capital? You just mentioned a little while ago that you uh, struggled with being introverted. Now, typically, I don't find too many introverted capital raisers. They're normally the number crunchers, you know, <laughs> why capital raising? Why is that your strength? Why is that something you enjoy doing? Yeah, so I enjoy capital raising because I'm a teacher at heart and I I enjoy teaching other people 
you know, better ways, better, better ways to do things. And so, you know, as an, as an introvert, I know it sounds funny that I enjoy teaching, but I do, I like to, I like to teach others how to better their lives really. Um, and so raising capital, I think is a perfect investment for introverts. So, well, a passive investing, right? So if you're, if you're a passive investor and you're an introvert, like those two go together really well, because you get the opportunity to really take your time to analyze a deal and look at it and to understand it and and you know figure out who the sponsors are, figure out the market, and you can do all the research that you want all day long. And then you invest passively and you don't have to interact with any of the tenants. You don't have to interact with the sponsor team if you don't want to. You don't have to interact with the contractors. You can just simply make your money grow. And I think that's what's so amazing. And so as I thought about this, because I invested passively first myself. So we sold sold the single families and we moved it, moved that money into a passive investment. In, in large multifamily. And I thought that was so amazing. What we could achieve was almost better than what we, you know, what we did a single family, <laughs> to be honest. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I got to teach others about this. How do you define uh, being an introvert? Like, what does that mean to you? Because I mean, I think it means something different for like myself. Like, I actually probably consider myself an introvert in certain ways, but maybe explain a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the way I define introversion versus extroversion is how you rejuvenate. Like, how do you get energy? So extroverts, they get energy by being around other people, right? So their their energy multiplies when other people are around. For introverts, our energy goes down when we're around other people. And so we regain energy by in, you know, being alone or in silence or, you know, reading a book or, or, you know, going on walks in nature or things like that. And so it's not that introverts, you know, can't interact with people and we can't have you know, relationships and we can't go to networking events and be okay talking to people. It's just the stuff like that drains us. It doesn't energize us. Right. And so that's the, that's how I think about introversion. But it's interesting, your desire to teach trumps your introverted nature, right? Because you do have to yes. actually talk to people. It's against your nature to talk to people on an ongoing basis, but your desire to teach others and maybe even change their lives trumps that. I find that really interesting. Is, is there's, not, there's not a conflict there for you, but this is something that works for you. No. So there's, there's no conflict because I do it um, in small chunks, right? I mean, if I was doing it every day, all day, if I had investor calls every day, all day, that would drain me and and I would and I would not be doing well but I have the ability to schedule my time and so I know when I um, when I need to have the energy and like push into pour into people and uh, and I know when I need to take time to rejuvenate now the other thing you, you know you said is that you're teaching people I think you said you're trying to make an impact with people why do you think you're making an impact by teaching passive investors to invest with you like what's the impact here what's what's the difference that that makes in people well, I think about my own story, right? I mean, there's there's people out there just like me that have been doing this, the slog for years and years and years, and just simply don't know a better way. And that's why I, I'm excited to find those people, find those people who are out there just, you know, plugging away, work hard workers, right? They're they're willing to get their hands dirty. And I applaud that for them. But at some point you you hit a point where you're like, is this worth it? <laughs> is this worth it? And really there's a better way. I mean, I think we all get into real estate with the idea of freedom of you know time freedom like at some point our real estate is going to give us the time freedom and the financial freedom that we really want but passively investing can accelerate that time freedom for sure 
Yeah, I love I love that. And I, I think this is the really, especially when we're syndicating, we think we're in the real estate investing business, and we certainly are, but we're also in the impact making difference. I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, <laughs> investors invest in the stock market, that's all they know. But as we know, there's problems with the stock market, and they can probably never get the financial freedom unless they have so much in the stock market they can, they can live off the 4% principle, which most Americans never get to, versus passive investing, like you said, greatly accelerates that. Therefore, while we're trying to raise money to buy deals so we can make more money, what we're actually also doing is helping passive investors get access to something they could otherwise never, never get. I, I, I love that. Uh, I love that a lot. So tell us a little bit more about your first deal and focus on their journey to capital raising. So you mentioned different roles in the in the syndication. You get the deal finder, the t- two basic roles, deal finder, capital raiser. And then, of course, there's the asset manager once you actually do a deal. And once you do a few deals, you need someone that focuses on marketing because now you got to take the conversation online. But let's focus on the deal finder and the capital raiser. Right. So you decided to go the capital raiser route a little bit. So how did you proceed with that? What's important? What did you have to get good at? What did you have to learn? And then how did you kind of get yourself into that? I'm going to call it career path. Yes. So going into the capital raising world was, it was a little bit scary for me for sure, because I I was trying to figure out, you know, I'd never raised money from someone else before. And therein lies the problem is that that was my mindset. My mindset was I'm raising money from other people. And I learned very quickly that you know, the, actually the first time, and so I'll tell a story. The first time I tried to raise money was with a, with a lead sponsor. And he's like, yeah, I'll bring you on. You know, let's see if you can hit 500 K to raise for this deal. And I said, awesome, great. I'm excited. You know, I've been building my investor database. I've got people and it's going to be great. And so I launched the deal to my database and one investor responded. And invested fifty thousand oh, dollars into the deal. Just a little short of that target. So yeah, I mean, I ten xed uh, negatively, <laughs> right? Yeah, what is the word for um, that? <laughs> I don't know. Wow, ten x. I don't know. Yeah, That's it was awful. it was a, kind of a spectacular fail, and it wasn't because I wasn't working my butt off because I was, I was so far out of my comfort zone. I was calling people, I was emailing, and I was just like constantly on the phone, just trying to almost begging people to invest and no one would do it, right? Well, why wouldn't they do it? Why wouldn't they invest? You know, well, because I had this mindset issue of I need your money, right? Instead of, oh my gosh, this is an amazing opportunity. Here's the opportunity. If you invest in this opportunity, here's what it means for you. I was so focused on myself that nothing happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And as mm-hmm. and as soon as I shifted that and I changed that mindset, I went on to the next deal. So so the next deal that I, you know, raised for, I was able to hit that 500 mark. In fact, I went past the 500 K mark, all because I had shifted the way I talked about the investment opportunity. It's, it's, it's amazing. Just a little tiny shift in mindset change literally changes everything. So that is really amazing. Now, how did you go about um, finding these operators, right? Because it's it's obviously as a capital, you're going out and you got to talk to investors and get that. But you also need the actual deal, right? So what are some things that you're looking for as you're going out? You know, where do you find these operators? And then how do you know you're you know dealing with the right ones? I mean, I mean sometimes you don't know, but what are you looking for? 
Yeah. So finding a, a strong operator, I mean, one of the things that I did was I did join a capital raising mentoring group and they were op- able to open some really good doors for me. So I, I'm a big fan of being of, of mentoring with someone in some capacity, whether that you mentor with someone who teaches you everything about it. I mean, there's you know big programs or there's like niche programs. I chose the niche program, loved it. And they opened up doors to, to strong sponsors that they knew and, and, and did and had worked with in the past. So that was nice. The other thing that you can do is you can just simply start going to meetups. And, and you know, we had like a bajillion virtual meetups <laughs> over this last two years with COVID, but you, you get to know the players in that game. So the first deal that I actually closed, right? Not the first deal I attempted to raise for, but the first deal I actually closed came from just networking with other investors within my mentoring group. And then they opened the, someone opened the door to this lead sponsor who'd been working in the game for 18 years and needed to bring on a capital raiser for a 90 unit. So I joined that one and raised the capital for it. And then we, and we closed and, and on that deal, I'm like, okay, awesome. Right. Immediately that sponsor had another deal that came under contract. And so just said, Hey, you want to come join this one? I said, you bet. So closed another 65 units within three months. And then I was like, you know, I like this sponsor, but I also want to expand. And so I expanded to another one. And and that person I met through my own networking. It wasn't through my mentoring group and met that person. And what I'm looking for in a partner is I'm looking for someone who has different skill sets than I do, right? I bring a certain skill set to the table and I need them to complement my skill set, but they have to have the same vision and values as I do. And so I focus a lot on impact. I want to make sure we're providing really great impact for our investors and the residents of every unit, that every you know complex that we pick up. And so I'm, that's what I'm looking for, someone who has kind of that similar mindset. And that's what I found. And so then closed the third deal, 100 units, and then that same sponsor we have another 192 units under contract. So that's four deals in nine months, which has been crazy. So you're doing something that a lot of people don't necessarily get to, which is you want to make an impact. I mean, a lot of people, there's people out there doing this for money and you have a name for that. It's it's the trifecta, right? Yeah. And can you talk about that and how you execute on that? Yeah. So I call it the investing trifecta. And so when we invest, uh, traditionally people think about investing, you think about putting your money in and getting some money back. Well, I'm trying to take it to the next level. So the next level is you put your money in, you're going to get some money back, but you're also going to get back a social return. Now, what's a social return? A social return is where we go in and we have very specific game plan. Like So just like in your business plan for renovating units and increasing rents or things like that. We put together a business plan for how we're going to create more impact within that community in the in the apartment complex. A couple examples of that could be reserving one unit and where you work with a nonprofit that provides um, housing for women in transition, for example, or disabled vets, things like that. There's lots of nonprofits out there that you can partner with that will that will help with that. To like having special community events for the children of the complex and you know, giving out backpacks or having fundraisers or things like that. So that's what I mean by social impact. And then the other impact is environmental impact. So in 
multifamily, we have the opportunity to, to really reduce our carbon footprint by doing very specific things by, you know, going in and replacing faucets, doing low flow faucets all over. So you really reduce the amount of water consumption. There's lots of things you can do with energy consumption to reduce that. You can put in solar panels, you can replace the electrical elements in the, in the complex. And then even to thinking about being more um, responsible about recycling. So if you have, um, you go in and renovate a unit, what are you doing with all of that garbage, right? Are you just shoving it to the dump or are you partnering with other organizations to maybe give out the old appliances? Because a lot of times when you go in and renovate units, sometimes the units are in okay shape. They're really not in that bad of shape. You just want to upgrade because the area it you know commands more upgrades. But what can you do with that stuff? And so that's what I talk about the investing trifecta. So what what investors get when they when they come to me is they'll get a strong financial return on top of an, a social return and an environmental return. So you've been doing this for a long time, right? What is your advice to people listening, watching this right now? You know, if it took you 15 plus years to get here, you're like, man, there might be a little, you know, faster path. What would you do differently if you could, therefore providing others listening, watching this right now? Hey, you know what? If you could do it starting from scratch, here's what I, a couple of things I would do differently. Yeah. So number one thing is I would partner earlier on in faster. I still believe in the value of, you know, getting your feet wet and, you know, learning through some bumps and, and things. And so I still believe that it's okay for you to go out and, you know, grab a couple properties and get a couple properties under your belt. So you at least prove to yourself that you like it, that you know what you're doing, that you, 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 you can speak the speak, you know, and, and walk the walk. Right. So I like that, but also partner earlier because you can go so much further together. And that was my biggest, that's the biggest lesson I think I learned is that I, I could have been in a much better, different place today if I had learned that much earlier on. But it's okay. I never like to look back and regret my journey. I feel like my journey you know, set me up to be here today. But for other people, I would definitely advise partner earlier on, You know, do better at networking. I had zero network when I decided to do large multifamily. So I had to start from zero, even raising capital, right? There was, um, it was really challenging to build an investor database. But even if you start from zero, you can still have pretty darn good success, right? It, it, and and what that's kind of what my journey has taught me. Yeah, you know, it's not your fault because single family house investing is a it's a lone wolf sport, right? It, it, it when I flipping houses, it was me myself and I, except for the HGTV show. You know, maybe you're watching, but there's no partnering going on, right? In a single family house, you're like, yeah, partnering that's for the birds, but in multifamily, it's it's the it's the way to do it, and uh, and so it's something that a lot of us uh, only discover, you know, later, which is great. But uh, Camila, how can people connect with you? Find out more about you. Yeah, so I'm no, I'm on social as the introverted investor. So feel free to find me on Instagram or I'm even on TikTok. My kids think that's funny, <laughs> but I'm on social there. Or you can um, visit my website. It's just camillajeffs.com. Awesome. It's great having your show today, Camilla. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Thank you. 
So in this show, we talked a lot about uh, partnering and other things. Uh, she also mentioned uh, mentoring, which was very important for her. So uh, mentoring is very important if you value mentorship, if you want to uh, go bigger, scale faster, avoid some of the bigger mistakes, overcome some limiting beliefs, then consider mentorship. Check out ours, which is at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can schedule a free strategy session. Even if you don't sign up, we're going to try to help create clarity for what's next for you. But check that out. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And speaking of limited beliefs, uh, this is exactly what held Camilla back as well. And this is very, very common. Pick your favorite limiting belief. You know, I got to do it myself. Like that's a great relief. I don't need to partner. In fact, partnering is I was bad. I heard partnering are bad. You know, don't use creative financing techniques. Those are only taught by late night, you know, gurus. They're probably illegal. Right. So these are all things that we tell ourselves and, and make up your favorite limiting beliefs. I probably shouldn't take money from friends and family. That's not going to go well. Right. Make it up. And when you dig a little deeper, they're think they're just not true. They're literally not only limiting, they're false. Yeah. And everybody has some version of that in some capacity. It's the people that are the most successful in business and just in life. They're just solving the biggest problems because they figured out a way to get past those limiting beliefs. And you see that as a prime example here. Now, those problems that she was, in, they were impossible before, she can probably easily solve them. And a new set of potentially limiting beliefs are there to overcome. And so it's just getting around all of that, getting around people that have already done it. And you're like, oh, this is possible. This person just did this. They're not any different than I am. You know, to prove that everyone has limiting beliefs, I'm just testing myself. I love the 10, Grant Cardone 10X thing. Hey, Garrett, how many units are we buying right now in Atlanta? We're rounding the corner on like a thousand right now. Right, thousand. Okay, well, let's add that 243 we're buying right now. Garrett, we need to add a zero at the end of that. What do we need to do to buy 2,400 unit apartment building? Right. And my mind's going, wow, hold on a second. You're skipping a few steps here. Right. And it's, I love, I love things like that because it exposes limiting beliefs and everybody has them. I think the first step is that we have to acknowledge them. And then we have to figure out, well, gosh, what can we do? To overcome them, like do we—is it education? Is it maybe surrounding ourselves with people who are thinking bigger, uh, or a combination of them as well? And for her, one of the biggest secrets was—and this is not a secret—if you listen to this podcast—is partnering. In fact, we talked about it in the intro. It, you got to be open to partnering, right? If you revert to, if you're not open to partnering, it's really going to hold you back. On the other hand, people who partner, they just scale so much faster. Yeah, and. What you do in a partnership is, I don't know, at least for me, it's motivating to me because I, I not only learn things from my partners that I may not have known before, but I also I have, you know, additional reason to get out of bed and do what I do. And I don't want to let them down. And so I think, I think you just go further faster in that kind of an environment. And you can see Camilla's done the same thing. Once she figured out that, that was the, the course forward. And so now she's able to do, you know, really cool things and, and, you know, like quit her job, which is amazing. And then she also figured out ways to, you know, add in other things into her business, like that uh, investing trifecta where she was able to make an impact on the world. And uh, I, I love that as well. Yeah, I love that as well. And I think one of the things that she's able to do 
is really playing to her strengths. And uh, this is another thing I love about multifamily syndications and the fact that you can partner, meaning that you can do the things that you're good at and love to do. So she discovered that she's good at teaching and she's an introvert, but she's good at teaching and she actually like prefers a capital raising route, which is awesome because now she can partner with someone who's out there, you know, beating the bushes and finding deals and crunching numbers, which maybe is not a strength or a love for her. And so I love that. Figure out what you're good at, what you love to do, do that thing inside a syndication and then find someone else who's complimentary to you. So hopefully you guys found that inspiring. Go out there, network and partner and get started. Listen more of this podcast. You want get our book. It's called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. Same title as this podcast. In fact, it's also yellow to make it easy to recognize on Amazon. So anyway, I hope you guys were inspired, Camilla. I certainly was. I love her story. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by downloading the free blueprint on closing your first multifamily deal. Head over to themichaelblanc.com slash blueprint to get the free training.